Pickaxe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Life Left with GDC at Gama Sutra on Friday. Chris, this title gets longer every time we do it. It's the fourth day, fifth day of our shows. Uh, how do you think it's going? It's going pretty good. Um, we're here, we're wrapping up week one of GDC 2017. <laughs> Still got a couple more weeks left. Um, feeling pretty good though. Little dehydrated. Feeling pretty good. Uh, I should say, I'm, I'm Steve Curran. I'm a game designer. I'm Anne Scansbury. I'm an audio producer. Together we are One Life Left. We're also missing a Simon Byron. Yeah, he, ha- he went too hard. He's now had to go home. <laughs> he has. He has. But we are joined by a replacement, Simon. I'm not Simon, but I am Steve Gaynor. Okay. Are you I'm, actually? No, that's a lie. I'm, I'm sorry I lied to you. Uh, I'm Brian Francis, a contributing editor to Gamma Sutra and frequent producer of uh, the Twitch channel, so if you're in Twitch chat and uh, you know the name, you remember my voice, my anonymous voice from our other streams, hi. So for four days you've been driving this from behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and now you're front of I did it. I escaped from behind (laughs) the camera and I clambered in front of it. So it's 2v2, one life left in Gama Sutra. Oh yeah, the odds have uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) My brain melts. And that's, just, that's the Friday thing. But yeah. it's good because Brian is going to carry us through. It's not just us today. As we have for the last four days, we've had incredible guests on every every day. It's escalated, hasn't it? It's got better and it's, better. Oh, some some things escalated, yeah. <laughs> it's escalated quickly. <laughs> and worse and worse and worse. Uh, our guests, can you introduce yourselves, please? Sure. I'm Joe Humphrey, and I'm from Inkle. I'm John Ingold, and I'm also from Inkle. Uh, I'm Brian Upton. I'm a freelance game designer from a company called Game on the Rails. Really, really good to have you here. Have so many of you here as well right now <laughs> with you. such strong voices. Now away you go. <laughs> just, just chat. Just well, <laughs> all right. Since Steve is abdicating his responsibilities, I, I will ask you uh, first to the to the Inkle brothers over here, the brothers Inkle. Uh, why, why are you here at GDC? You're giving a talk, right? Yeah, well, we were here to give some talks, but... 
that kind of got we sort of trumped ourselves because we actually announced a game this week. What? Uh oh. Yeah, well, I don't know where it came from. It was sort of accidental. Like we've been working on it for about three years, and we thought, ah, let's just drop it today. So uh, yeah, we've been stuck in the glorious San Francisco sunshine inside a nasty, ratty little room that we could hire down the road somewhere, showing members of the press our new game, and they like it. But apparently we're in America. I haven't really, I haven't really <laughs> experienced that yet at all. Um, yeah, it's just only one step above maybe just you know getting a meeting room at the airport, which I, I hear is what you do when you're a businessman. So I guess we must be businessmen. <laughs> so what did you announce? Uh, it's called Heaven's Vault, and it's our big new title. So we're famous, if we're famous at all, for making 80 Days, which you is are? like a text game. So we thought we would make a game that isn't a text game. So okay. we've made a completely new kind of graphic <laughs> adventure, uh, and it's top. It's really good, and it's called Heaven's Vault, and it won't be out for like, oh, at least a year and a half. Okay, you say completely new kind of graphic a completely adventure. Completely new kind of graphic adventure. What makes adventure? it completely new and jo or kind? Joe. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it's different in a lot of different ways, but uh, one of the ways is that we have 3D environments and we have 2D characters within the environment. Um, and so, if you imagine that, it's actually a bit like Doom was back in the day, that you have 3D environments and you have two, 2D sprites. Absolutely it's just like, like Doom. It's, I just want to make but that really clear. So it's a graphic adventure with a lot of shooting and killing and gyms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. so, it's a graphic adventure with a BFG. <laughs> So if you imagine like the Banner Saga art, but within a 3D environment where you can rotate the camera around the characters. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's that's like Banner about. Saga, but you can move around and do stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I move around and do stuff in Banner Saga. Yeah, you can move <laughs> around and kill people. Well, dredge and people. Yeah, it's not, it's not that kind of game either, no. And so it, it, it means We're doing a great job of this. So, so like every screenshot of it looks like a graphic novel. We kind of wanted to make a graphic novel that you can play. So it's like a graphic novel you can play and walk around and explore and do things and chat and sail. And I love the, the way this pitch changes, kind of changes by the moment. It's quite a big game. And it's, it's Banner Saga, but you do stuff. Yes. It's a graphical novel that you can play. Yes. It's Doom, but not. I'll, I'll, yes. I'll throw another one in there. It's a text adventure with, that doesn't have any text. Oh, yeah, and it's got a GTA layer. <laughs> Yeah, it's also GTA, yeah, but, with, <laughs> but with boats. But it's in space, yeah, with boats. And it is such a coherent idea, you would not <laughs> so believe it. It's an open-ended oh. gone home that's oh. kind of as Minecraft elements work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about the entire alien language. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. Got an alien language. You spend most of the time translating a real language that we built from scratch. In a nice. kind of Witness-style puzzle thing. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> also like, like the Witness. So basically, in short, it's kind of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you, you self-published, right? <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't like the pitch. <laughs> I, just, I want to picture uh, Bobby Kotick at Activision hearing this pitch and going, I, boys, I think this has promise. <laughs> so, Brian, Brian, you're a game designer. Yep. How do you feel the Inkle guys are doing with their pitch right well, now? Well, it's really interesting because um, I gave a talk at GDC this year called 30 Things I Hate About Your Pitch. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, we right. gave you uh -oh. at least 30 uh -oh. things there, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I think you covered most of them already. That's yeah. <laughs> All right, what are the... <laughs> I think it's a bit much to ask you to do all 30 right now, but give us a few of the things that you hate about Game Pitch. Um, well, what started this? I not used that to one. I'm not, <laughs> not being abusive. I, I used to be at PlayStation, and I, I took hundreds of pitches at PlayStation. And last year after the conference, my boss and I were like, 
man, these were really, really bad. And we were surprised at how bad they were. Um, and so the number one thing that set us off was people giving us 20 minutes of backstory about their fantasy world at the beginning of their pitch. And we're like, we don't care about the political situation on your continent. We don't care about like your protagonist's troubled childhood. We really just want to know, like, do you hit things or not? Um, <laughs> That's really, really interesting. Because I, I, I teach back in London and I find that's the biggest mistake my students make as well because when they're people pitching. people are excited. People they're, are excited about their game and they want to share it. Yeah, they, but they want to talk about the backstory and say, okay, you're this person in this planet. And, and that's not the, the killer thing. Usually it's, my game is doomed but not. And then you've got me, right? But don't yeah. you care about the world, right? You want, oh, to know, oh, totally. you want to know what 100%. the world is, but just like in a short wrap yes. right? So it's not just about the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, the, the example I use is like the beginning of the original Star Wars. You know, it's like, it's a time of trouble in the galaxy and the Rebel Alliance has stolen something. And if you can say that at the beginning, yeah, then you're totally cool and I get it. And you can go on and describe your, 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 um, all your mechanics. But it's the long political explanations. Oh, um, do you feel that changes when you have a narrative game? Not really. Because I get, with the pitch, you want to like, convey it quickly. Usually you have like half an hour. And if the publisher is interested in what you're proposing, then at some point you'll get into all that and say, yeah, is this cool? Is this interesting? Is it a cool world? But as a way to start your pitch, it's a real killer. It really just brings the whole room down. I, I wonder, it's interesting that this is both a student problem and a, like, a designer pitching problem. Because, I mean, it's one thing to say, just say that someone is so obsessed with what they've, the world they've made that all they can do is think about it and talk about it. But why, why, are, why do you think maybe, what's the gap in a designer's head that makes them not get all excited about the game thing they're trying to sell you? Because presumably a lot of these weren't bad games. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think what it is that people want you to understand their game in depth. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that's an important part of, like, deciding whether you're, you're going to pick up a game or not. But that's not... Even when you're deciding whether to buy a game uh, as a consumer, you don't think, oh, yeah, I need to understand this all in depth. There's going to be something that hooks you in. Yeah, yeah, I was and just you about need, yeah, yeah I you need just, to start off with that. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like it's broadly applicable to all marketing, really. You know, when you show your game on the marketing page of Steam, you need to be explaining what the game's concept is and exactly what you do. Because so many gamers get really frustrated when you show a trailer that's got kind of, oh, this is the backstory behind the characters, but, but what the hell do you do in the game? Exactly. Well, I mean, I've had, I've had pitches where people have never told me what you do in the game. Oh, or they would God. say, like, oh, yeah, it's a platformer. Okay, is it is there anything different? No, no, it's a normal platformer. Anyway, here's our monetization model. I'm just like, I uh, saw a question thrown out on Twitter the other day, which was, um, how what is the typical length of time you normally skip through a trailer to find out what the game is, right? And everyone was like, yeah, it's about 15 or 20 seconds. As soon as it starts, you just jump to that point. I was like, okay, I get it now. So you, you cut out that 15 or 20 seconds of them when you're making that trailer, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 100%. All right, uh, can you give us one other thing, that one other uh, pitching mistake? Oh, um, um, the one that got the biggest laugh was, um, uh, I think you're going to be a pain in the ass to work with. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. I mean, because I, game I've got that before, yeah. yeah game <laughs> development's really hard, you know, and think, you, you get stressed and there's money involved and, like, there's deadlines. And if you can't be pleasant for 20 minutes in a pitch, that could be pleasant when you're sleep deprived and like desperate for them to meet the next milestone, and it's a working relationship. And if you can't convey that, How, yeah, what, what, it's what a kind killer. of person is going into a pitch like meeting and being a like a, a jerk like that? Like, yo, uh, are we holes? Check, check this out. <laughs> are we allowed to name names on the show? 
Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'd have pitches where people would get annoyed if I'd ask questions. They'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm going to talk about that later. I'm like, I'm interested. That's why I'm asking you a question. Can, uh, can you go off script just for a minute and maybe, like, tell me about your inventory system? <laughs> now, now, what is a good beginning of a game pitch sound like then? Uh, the, uh, the, well, you usually start off like saying who you are and what, who your company is, which is kind of boring, but it's really essential. But then, um, start with a hook. I mean, what is it that's unique and original and different? And actually, you guys did a great job because you gave me like 20 different hooks right there. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> it's very like, kind. There's, well, there's 20 different ways this game is unique and original. I kind of feel like we didn't actually give you the hook, though. That's the one thing we didn't do, because you asked, why is it a new kind of adventure game? And that is not the hook, which is kind of interesting. Maybe it should be the hook. I don't know. I'm now going to not tell you what the hook is. Yeah, I was going to say, what is our hook? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, oh. with, withhold information and you like, can check keep out them guessing. a very nice article on Eurogamer where they use Hang on. I would actually rather pitch the very nice article on Gama Sutra from our yeah. own Catherine Cross. Very right. true. That was also a very Who was nice on this show, so. Yeah. No, can't let Euro get. Come on. <laughs> You don't think uh, Gama Sutra's getting enough publicity here already, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm a, I'm a okay, you just need a little selling bit out. A little bit more in there. Sell, we, okay. On the show, we're talking about selling out every other day of the week, right? I, I'm getting in on the attitude here. We're still trying. Um, guys, I'm not going to ask you this question because you've been in uh, just been in a room all week. But Brian, is there, what else have you seen that is good this uh, week? The amazing <laughs> stuff I saw was that they had board game designers here this week. And, and um, I'm kind of in awe of board game designers because like, as a game designer, it's like kind of working without a net. You can't hide anything. And there was an amazing session on Pandemic Legacy and the design of Pandemic Legacy. Um, and um, one of the things they, they revealed is that um, every time they did a play test, they would have to rebuild the entire, all the game components by hand from scratch because they had all these little boxes you had to open and stickers you had to stick on things. And it was a huge amount of labor, apparently, even to do a play test. And they did hundreds of them. So, Did you see the uh, board games that you can eat? No, I didn't. Now that's a pitch, yeah. right? Oh, that's a board game great. you can eat. How do you playtest that? How much do you have to spend? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm 100% in. <laughs> uh, guys, did you actually get out of your room and see anything yeah, else? Yeah, we saw a couple of things. I think the best thing that I saw was a talk about the marketing for uh, This War of Mine, which is the game about the kids being killed in the war zone. Like, and it was a really brilliant talk. It was from a really brilliant guy who walked this incredible line between saying, on the one hand, we came up with an emotionally affecting hook and then we use that to sell our game to you. We made, we took your money on the back of this thing, cynically, knowing that we were doing it consistently, and we never let you off the hook at any point, while still walking that line of not actually being an appalling person. And it is a good game, and it was a great marketing campaign. We need and there to was, learn to walk that line. But it was, it was super. Like it was so tense. The atmosphere in that room. You just every moment expected him to just sort of break into a grin and say and it was just so great but he never did he never broke character and it, it was really it was a really really good talk but like whew, quite a difficult subject really awesome. um when are we going to get to play heaven's vault well we've just been showing like one demo of like the story flow the core kind of how do you move around how do you talk to characters how do you get the visuals to work how do you explore the world to press it's a bit janky at the moment and press understand that and if we put that in front of people they might not like it very much right now <laughs> but uh, we're aiming for a kind of playable slice of plot by September maybe see if we can get that to some kind of expo for people to have a look at it because we're quite excited to put it in front of you know real human beings as opposed to just games press okay Super excited. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Who aren't real people. Aren't real so, people. so we'll see you at VR. It's true, though, we're not. We're not You're going to make it in VR, right? Brilliant, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Right. Thank not you very much. My Thank pleasure. You. Thank you.
Welcome back to One Life Left at GDC with Gamma Sutra. Um, there's a huge queue behind us for something. Yeah, I think Do, it's sandwiches. To... Oh, <laughs> the sandwich free sandwich line. Well, that seems pretty reasonable. Is it what? Experimental gameplay, Ex gameplay workshop. That's yes. what they're all queuing Not for. sandwiches. Not the sandwiches. experimental sandwich workshop. Uh, Isn't just sandwich, just a game of another kind. I would play that. Um, we are joined by two brand new guests, uh, Tony and Glenn. Guys, Hello. can you Hello. introduce yourselves? Because uh, no, you've just done that. <laughs> I am Tony. In more depth. Uh, hi, I'm Tony. I am an indie developer from the UK. And I'm Glenn, I work for Pinewood Film Studios um, and we work on film and games and anything that makes a noise. So we're audio folk, really. Uh, uh, and we found out this week that it's really important to have audio in your games. It so is very important to have audio in your games. I, I already knew that. Just so <laughs> well, no, I found it out this week. Okay, good. It's been educational here. Do you, do you just play sound games with the sound off? Yeah, man? all the time. Uh, how, much does, how does that make you feel? Pretty sad, to Aww. be honest. Yeah. You made him sad. Yeah. Um, so what have you been doing here, Glenn? Um, so the nice thing about GDC is just meeting up with actually already existing teams that we're already working with. There's a the guys from Media Molecule just walked past from Dreams and they're just waving over and, and they're one of them and, uh, and it's just taking that time out from our normal schedules to actually spend some time, get to know the teams that we're working with day in day out but we don't actually get to have any downtime or have a moment of no stress and, uh, and that's what's brilliant about GDC and then seeing what everybody else is doing and so GDC for you is a, is a time of no stress. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, for me, this, uh, it's, it's, this is downtime. Yeah, how how this do I get down. into doing game audio? It, it sounds <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, no, because for me, that makes, means presumably this is like, this is down for you, which I don't want to think what normal life is like for you. Um, and uh, so you work at Pinewood. Uh, you do audio for films and things. How does it differ making uh, audio for films uh, and games? Um, mostly just in the implementation side of things and uh, the, some of the planning um, but really after years and years of doing both I've, I kind of take the, both, the best from both worlds and, I, and not just sort of lots of people instantly say oh we want this to sound like a film but actually like there's lots of times when I'm working on films where uh, I've just finished on an action uh, a superhero movie and um, there's times in that where I've um, taking the approach of granulizing things and breaking down a sequence that's very heavily CGI and, um, and using the game approach and applying that to the way I work with film and vice versa. So um, it's very, at the end of the day, we just want things to sound really cool and we want, the, you know, want it to be fun and emotive and have lots of player feedback and, and it's the same in films. We, you know, we've got to pick that emotion out. And, did, did, did you work on um, Episode 7? Star Wars Episode 7? I did. You yeah. did? Did you get to go on the Millennium Falcon? I didn't get to go on the Millennium Falcon, oh but I did God. shoot. Uh, did you I get, did get to record my first Stormtrooper. Did, yeah, I was going to say, did you get to do any Foley for the Falcon? Like, on the I, Falcon, for I, the Falcon? I did uh, dialogues, so ADR, yeah. automated dialogue replacement. Did you have to... I mean, I mean, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm going to nerd out with a tech okay, question. I'm sorry. It. Okay, yeah. so how do you make the sound space for Millennium Falcon? Because you're not just recording raw lines. You're trying to read... Like, like the spaceship has a given sound, right? Like, where that space well, sounds like? unfortunately, I didn't get to do the sound of that, so... Right. But yes, you could approach it in a, a number of different ways. But I think the guys probably at Skywalker Sounds are there. Oh, right. Are they gang to ask for that? But okay. 
um, there's a lot of very creative sound design in there. Yeah. You know, so good work by them. Uh, Tony, have you been a... Uh, have you been thinking about sound design for your game whilst hearing that? Um, I have a man that does sound for my game so that I don't have to think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, sound is one of the bits of a game where I have so little talent in that area that I absolutely outsource it without uh, even a second thought. What else do you outsource? Um, so for the current game, my current unannounced game that I've been pitching around this week. You've got I, an unannounced game? I do, yeah. What is it? I'm, you, I'm what not is it? What does it sound like? <laughs> what does uh, it make what, a sound? Make what does three it taste sounds. like? It, it sounds like, woo. It's ghosts. Oh. 100% ghosts. I thought that was like an indie car game. <laughs> <laughs> it's ghosts driving cars. <laughs> Um, so you've been pitching this week? Yes. How's that been going? It's gone pretty well. Okay. Um, some, yeah, so uh, interestingly, from like the last little bit of chat, um, I had a couple of people say that my pitch was the best deck that they have seen Ooh, all good week. Work. Um, I mean, they said the game was rubbish, but, the, the, <laughs> but so the, the pitch was quite good. We've just, we, well, we were just talking about pitching. I don't know if you heard. Uh, then you heard Brian talking about pitching. Um, he told us about the sort of greatest mistakes people can make in pitches. What do you think? How do you think people can make a good pitch? How do you think people can do a good pitch? What, what uh, makes your deck so special, Tony? So, specifically the bits that people called out about mine were that I had actual market research in there of <laughs> these are competing titles and this is kind of how much they've sold and that that's the kind of market space that we're in. And apparently, most developers don't put that kind of, like, most developers are just talking about, like, the story of their game and the world of their game and all that kind of stuff, which is cool, but it's not the kind of... How many, how many pie business. charts were involved? Uh, there are no pie charts. There is one Venn diagram. That's a, the exact right amount of Venn diagrams you should have <laughs> in your game pitch. The uh, Venn diagram of the number of pie charts in a good pitch is... Quite small. <laughs> I'm published. I, I would publish that game just based on that. <laughs> is, is, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. He told us there was one Venn diagram, but he didn't tell us if the Venn diagram was in the game itself. Maybe the game is a Venn diagram game. It's yeah. It's a it's game a about ghosts making Venn diagrams uh, of, of cars. <laughs> is there a, is there a Venn diagram puzzle game? Is that a thing that exists? Because there should be. Met Metrico? Yeah, that's the platform like that. game. But it's got, it's got charts in it. I know, it does. You're 100% right. I wonder. That's a really good idea. So, it, I'm going to make that. You. No one else is. I'm not going to make it. So someone else should, and then I can sue them. And then <laughs> I can claim some of the profit. I don't know. Okay. Um, when you've uh, not been uh, pitching or not been having meetings, have you guys seen anything else interesting this week? Well, I've been out recording, actually. So just generally... Recording uh, sounds? Yeah, because I'm a massive geek when it comes to audio. <laughs> What's the best sound you recorded? The best thing I've uh, recorded? Uh, I tried to... Uh, find a way to put a contact mic on a giant heart that's in Union Square to hear the vibrations of the city because I'm that much of a loser. 
Did you yeah, manage to do it? I didn't manage to do it because I didn't have the right mics, oh. but I'm going to manage to do it before I leave. So that's that's the level of stupidity that I will go that's, to. Well, that's, that's brilliant. The, that's the brilliant. level of detail that you go okay, into and th that you will bring yeah, to yeah. people's games, right? That's what I like doing. But what is the best sound? The best sound? Hmm. <laughs> Um, I've got lots of favourite nope, sounds. I just want to know one. Okay, the best sound is in Wallace and Gromit when they go underground and the car drives underground chasing after giant rabbits and it's burrowing through the earth and, and then they vacuum all the rabbits into a big glass sphere. That's the best sound. Tony, is that in your game? Uh, there is a vacuum <laughs> in my game. <laughs> yeah, with a chart. Take that sound. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'll have that sound. Uh, and have you seen anything else this week? Or has it just been pitching? Uh, I have. I went to see John Wick too. That was quite good. Um, <laughs> and I no, I've basically like sort of wandered around the expo a bit, seen some cool games, played some cool games, and seen. There's a lot of people trying to sell uh, gloves for VR. Like loads of people selling, trying to sell gloves for VR. Are they demoing them? Yes. Seems hygiene risk. Yeah, mm. yeah, I I wouldn't get involved. Yeah. Um, but and also it looks kind of weird. Like yeah, just a lot of people doing quite unsavoury kind of <laughs> hand movements that just mm. brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. No uh, we'll see you back in England. Woo! Thank you for joining so, us. Thanks. Welcome back to GDC X. Kiss, cross, <laughs> one life left. We're here. End of week one of GDC 2017. Who's ready for week two? I'm so Ooh. excited. I'm so excited. Is that just naps? Yeah. We do his naps. Yeah. No, okay. No, it's sessions, We're, meetings, it, it, it's pitches, occupy, parties. Occupy Moscone 2017. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like uh, that Tom Hanks movie, Terminal. <laughs> <laughs> There really is, like, con convention centers are basically airports, aren't they? Except with less shopping. And less airplanes. <laughs> it's a lot harder to get out, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a busy, busy, busy week. We've had, uh, how many guests have we had so far? A thousand. Like, a thousand guests. Minimum. A thousand even, yeah. yeah. Guests yeah. number Amazing. a thousand and one and a thousand and two. It's Stephen and Sarah. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hey. Thank you. Uh, hey. Welcome to the show. Um... We have been struggling today a little bit because uh, what happened last night, Chris? There was a singing event. Oh. A successful. A successful. Highly. Legendary. Yeah. A legendary. Yes. A Let's not go that event. far. We need to work towards it. It was fine. Let me go that far. It was fine. We, you know, we threw our Marioki party last night, which was, it was very good fun. And, you know, we, we had a nice time, but obviously it's left our voices a little bit broken. Uh, and our livers and our spirits. a little bit broken. <laughs> Everything a little But thankfully, we've brought on two of the finest voices in the video game industry right now to just, you know, take the show away from us. So, <laughs> so you say that and immediately I'm like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm so good at my job. It's weird mouth noises in here and ruin yeah. the stream. Um, Stephen, you were uh, talking yesterday. I was. I came yeah. to see your talk, and I loved it. Oh, thank you. Thank you also for coming. That no, was it was um, really great. Can you explain to the viewers and listeners uh, what your talk was about? Yes, uh, my talk was called "Getting the Best Bang for Your Voiceover Buck," and it was a a run through of all of the phases of the voiceover production process, from uh, where to look for your voiceover talent to how to effectively audition them, uh, how to effectively cast them to help meet your budget and then uh, what to do in the booth with them to get the best possible performance out of them. 
and you know it didn't go too deeply into any of those four things because it was only 30 minutes but the idea was you know a lot of indie devs maybe have one or two games out there and, and they started out not having the budget to even think about voiceover and or maybe thinking those, they didn't have the budget to do right voiceover, yeah. exactly so so now maybe they're working on a game where they realize oh my god this would make this so much more like much more valuable experience and they don't know where to get started so and, it was and you of, uh, we just heard from the last guest as he was walking away you worked with um uh, you, did you work on gears of war 4 I did not. No, no, you, no you, <laughs> He said he. Okay, nope. Ignore that. But uh, I, that I, is an I alternative might, fact. I might look a heck of a lot like the Years of War four audio dude. In which case, <laughs> hey, shout out to that guy. You're looking good. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. As, uh, as an actor, I can confirm all that stuff, especially with with regard to working with actors, was completely wonderful. That audition packet looked really usable and ready to go. Hey. And then the back, the, the part that I don't get to see that I thought was really helpful and cool. Um, so you should catch it on the vault if you can. Was the way that you break down a cast into because often you get cast for multiple roles. And so organizing things like which combinations will work, what yeah. size parts can you recombine, because that sort of organizational part of it blew my mind and was right. Very, it was, I don't it was see that in most about, talks. Like, it was there cool. was a very limited budget for this yeah. game. It was Kelvin and the Infamous Machine, which is a little point-and-click adventure, uh, and, and the budget was really tight, so it was all about like finding those combinations that really made every performance great without making needing to spend a trillion dollars yeah or hearing the same voice talking to itself or in five yeah, different places that, and yeah that is critical very clever yeah. um i think sort of there's a bit of crossover with uh, what you were saying um with you know give your uh, voice actors plenty of information about the characters that they're going to be voicing because obviously the more information you can give the better auditions they can give the better performance they can give mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of crossover with what we were talking about uh, with pitches earlier as well like you know you need to be re prepared to answer all the questions that someone might have because they're interested they need to know and I don't uh, it sort of feels like maybe uh, with games sometimes there's ideas uh, are in people's heads and they you know it's really important to communicate it do you have you like found that sometimes people don't communicate these things quite so sure quite so yeah well? and 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 part of the talk that really referenced that was was usually whether you're pitching a game or you're explaining a role or a world to an actor it's all about you know I mean, the, the classic pitch model is it's X meets Y, right? Which, in the most trivial sense, can be ridiculous. But, like, finding a way to latch into somebody's existing understanding is just such a nice shortcut. And then, okay, now take this base understanding. Like, if you're casting an actor in particular, like, hey, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man, like, he's... He's a brilliant man, but he's kind of a jerk because he hasn't learned the value of friendship yet. <laughs> and so, like, take that part of him and then add in this component of, you know, Leslie Nielsen in Airplane. I don't know. Uh, that's a weird movie. Uh, so Acting as remixes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, it's just every part that already exists and every thing that already exists is a Lego that you just stack on top of each other to create something new. Now, you're, now this talk, from what I understand, is meant to be for indies and maybe both of you can speak to this next question is though um what's it like as a voice actor though when you're you're when you're not given that information because i understand that's actually one of the underpinning complaints of the ongoing uh sag uh, after strike mm. is how often you're so shrouded in secrecy mm. that you can't uh you can't you can't build the character you're trying to build and meanwhile i i saw this really funny tweet which was like voice actors can't be trusted with games apparently but like random infos will just leak random employees will just leak information to Kotaku. Mm -hmm. like, uh, like, that must feel... That must not feel great. It gets in the way of your job. Mm -hmm. It can. I mean, there's a, it's your thing to balance. I mean, there's reasons that people protect that information. They have, like, marketing rhythms that they want to hit. Like, that's precious stuff. I yeah. get it. Um, 
But yeah, like the more that you have, the more you can create with. If I know the franchise, if you're going to not give me a code name that's completely obtuse and I can't guess what it is, yeah. if I know the franchise, I know the tone of the game. I, I have suddenly now know the atmosphere, the, 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 the seriousness, the playfulness, whatever it is. It's so valuable. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of information you would, of course, like it's such a no-brainer and a, and a default and an industry practice for every other kind of acting. So, um, so people who come into games are kind of puzzled and thrown off by why, why these things are being hidden from them. Um, so anything you can share uh, from the title of your game, the actual franchise, what you're going to be doing. I mean, the more I do AAA, the more I show up to sessions and I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, what age range, what dialect, what, like, I have no idea sometimes. And so it's yeah. just like, go. And um, well, a while ago, we had Richard Browse 3, who was also on this show, and he was talking about working on The Church in the Darkness. And he said doing all that prep work saved him time and money because yeah. he sat down with... Um, John, John Patrick Lowry and Ellen McLean, mm -hmm. and instead of every voice section, okay, like, okay, give me a read like your, uh, like your daughter just died, and like, instead of them trying to muddle their way through it, they talked mm -hmm. about all the character reads beforehand, yeah. and then came in, and it's like, alright, line one, line two, line three, like, right. that seems useful. It is, and I, um, I think I can say this, I think I can say this, the game's out now, who cares? Um, for, for Honor, I remember we did, um, we did a bunch of sessions, and I play a um, the Viking female Viking raider, and she's like a big, burly, disgusting pile of muscle, and she's growly and yelly, and it's fantastic. Um, and so we did all this in-game stuff, yelling, axing, ax, axing. That's a verb. Ax, yelling and axing <laughs> yelling and walking, and axing. running and thing. Yeah, um, and that was great, and that was fine. And then we were doing some pickup sessions for the narration bits, so that we were now it was like, and then we went to the you know we went to the samurai fortress and blah blah. That's not what she sounds like, but. Um, it was narration, it was pure narration, and taking the character out of that context of yelling and fighting, I suddenly had to come up with or find a new color that wasn't as readily available. Like, I don't know what a big, burly Viking woman sounds like when she's just chilling out and thinking about the past as much. So I was like, so that was interesting, but the reason that um, the, my anecdote is that you know their di voice director Chris Brown, she's a genius and a legend. She worked on I wanted to work for with her my, literally my entire life. She worked on Curse of Monkey Island, Grim Fandango. I mean, just has been working with Tim Schafer for 20 years. She's the best. Sent me the script in advance for the pickup session, and we talked about it. I like messaged her and I was like, hey, like so, what are you thinking? Why are we picking this up? What do you want? Where do you want to go with it? If I was just growling last time, like how can we make this better? And we did that little pre-conversation that saved us time to find and play and like just got us that far ahead for the session the next day and like that just doesn't happen for everything and so yeah you're sitting in the booth being like what why who have you ever ha have you had a, ever had a job where they didn't give you enough information mm. and uh, you went into it acting like a Viking warrior princess uh -huh. but then the game came out and your uh -huh. Viking warrior princess voice is in like a kids platforming <laughs> <laughs> Here, have a cookie. <laughs> like, <I'm just> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how embarrassing. <laughs> I did a robot voice that I thought that I assumed. Oh, yes. I love robot voices. You, They're wonderful. You, you gave us tips um, last I, time. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> when when she was on, when Sarah was on One Life Left a year or two ago, we got oh, yeah. how to talk like a robot tips. That's funny. So let's. We need to rehash them though because I, I don't remember. We all learned. Uh, yes. Remember what you learned last time. Yeah. yeah. It's musical. Robots are okay. music, which is really fun. So you can place them like if you think about them that way, it's a really technical. Because yeah, you're, you, when you think about what makes them sound non-human is a different kind of cadence where you're like suddenly you're in the same kind of space like right where so you just pick a, a, a channel right. and there that becomes yeah. yeah there you yeah. go and that gives it a slightly inhuman quality and you can be in, in 
any different place, but it's fun. Um, but yeah, so I did this voice, and it was really playful, and there was a banter, and I assumed there was going to be an effect on it later, and then I heard it in the game, and there was no effect, and I was like, how the, how are you supposed to know it's a robot? I assumed there was going to be a thing. Why didn't you tell me? And that game was gone home. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to pick me up. Yeah, no, 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 no. A robot returns home from college. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for coming on the oh, show. Thank you so much thank for, you for joining us. us. Awesome. Welcome back to One Life Left X GDC X Gamma Sutra. Um, I love that it's, it's show five, and we're all still having to read what it's called off the, uh, <laughs> off the wall. You didn't, let me you didn't let me finish. It's X Revengeance. Yep. Um, it is. Uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, that we've we've struggled with that name so much. I should point. Uh, sorry, I should paint the picture for our listeners uh, back on the radio. We're doing this from uh, a couple of couches in the North Hall of the Moscone. It's the first time we've ever done radio from a couch. I think it's quite a nice feeling. Did it from a bed once. Behind Behind us, there's a big backdrop that says GDC in big letters, X in gold, and then uh, our One Life Left logo. It's an interesting backdrop. Also, we noticed on the first day mm. there was already some blood on it. Mm. Wait, what? Where's the blood? A little, little splash there. <laughs> Who did it? Chris? <laughs> so it was there when we got here. Did you go full post-apocalyptic hobo? It's getting a little scabby. <laughs> that, that does happen to blood. Yeah. While we're, while we're scaring off the people in the crowd, let's meet the man who we're going to scare off from this couch. It's quite intimidating now. There's only me here, and you're all looking at me. <laughs> and also, we're expecting you to carry this segment. So if you could just monologue for 15 minutes, that would be fantastic. Well, now I've got a working microphone. It'll be even better. Uh, so what brings you to GDC, James? Uh, I mostly come for the Marioki. <laughs> uh, it's a long way to go, but it's definitely worth it. Strong decision. You uh, were there last night, weren't you? I was there last night. Okay. Did you have a nice time? Yes, amazing time. Okay. It was uh, soul-lifting. What was your favourite song sung? I sang Basket Case, but I also sang Go by the Chemical Brothers with Anne. Oh, oh God, we did do that, didn't we? And it was amazing. It's about Pokemon Go. In internally, it was amazing. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how it was externally, but that's not the point. Uh, I had such a good time doing that. Good times. But aside from our silly jokes, what are you doing here at GDC? I've, I've been pitching my unannounced game to publishers. More pitching. Everyone's pitching games. Interesting. Well, 2017 is a year of, of game pitches. It's Friday, so I think everyone who it was pitching is now available to not pitch. Because no pitch one's pitching what? their game to us. Pitch uh, it now. Well, no, because that would involve announcing it. There was that one year um, that uh, Frederick Wester from uh, Paradox, Paradox, and we did a um, the the voice um, for video game pitches. So, mm. like, if you um, if they like your pitch, hit the button and they'll turn around, and then uh, you can. You Do you remember the year that we invented a game? Like collectively across the people we had on, we were slowly building up a game, and you I mean, believe you mean thirty minutes ago with that uh, ghost cars Venn diagrams. <laughs> I, I believe uh, Zachtronics uh, came up with the key, which was, it's rather a game, not a game about, it's a game where you bury all of the, uh, all of the bodies of people killed in first-person shooters <laughs> yeah. uh, in a sort of Minecraft universe, because that was very hot at the time. Um, we never made it. Good times. <laughs> 
let's uh, well what I'm sorry I, I don't know you sir you you have a very nice face but could you please besides <laughs> the very nice face which won't be appearing on the radio section of the program could you please tell me uh, who you are what you work and uh, did you ever talk at GDC? No, I, I've, I didn't, you talk, didn't ever talk. Um I, I run a small games company in, in Bristol in the UK uh, called Grand Shatter. Um, we released a game a couple of years ago called Skyscrappers, which is a single-screen multiplayer platform fighting game where you fight to the top of a collapsing Solid pun-based name. Skyscrappers. I That's like how it. you should always invent a game. I, I get <laughs> Google alerts on a kind of weekly basis for news articles where someone has misspelled the words <laughs> skyscrapers. And it's uh, it's disheartening, um, but yeah, you pay if, if you make a pun-based game name, you learn how quickly people are idiots because everyone is. Oh, you do, I do Twitter searches, and it's people saying, "Look at the view from the top of this skyscraper." <laughs> you also probably learn how many of your players don't get it, and they're like, "Well, what, why'd you misspell skyscraper?" And you just go, <laughs> "Yeah, I, 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 I was going to have the subtitle. It's a pun, but it was tonally uh. weird." How about just call the game? It's a pun. Yeah. So it's you a do, bit too meta. You, so uh, you're a small multiplayer designer, small studio making multiplayer games. How do you, in the, in the, in the age of Steam, in the age of the indie apocalypse, in the age of the, uh, the live game that has an event every month um, with, with, with community managers and support staff, um, how do you sell it? How do you get people excited about multiplayer games that are not going to take over the world? Um, you just have to do. You have you come on things like this, and, you, uh, and that that does, that rarely works. So you then have to go and speak to proper media outlets that uh, have bigger reach. There's a, there's a, there's usually no there's a, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised the spike. Check your metrics when you get back home. They they're, they're gonna they're gonna be boop right up. Uh, you'll get, be getting lots of Google alerts when you get back. Like skyscrapers developer goes off the rails. Uh, great. So how's the pitching gone? It's gone very well. And the, the thing about pitching publishers is they rarely say no because there's no benefit for them in doing that. So they often say yes and string you along forever. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a matter of separating the I'm just saying yeses from the actual yeses, um, which you kind of hopefully learn over time or they get better at misleading you with their <laughs> false positivity. Um, but genuinely, I think it's, it seems to have gone very well for me this week. And I, I had meetings with people that I hadn't had arranged before I came out here, which was kind of one of the goals okay. to meet people that I've not met before. And That's good. Where do these meetings generally take place? Um, sort of environment? Well, this year it's been uh, kind of lofts. Really? People have got lofts, but are generally in basements. Which so is a lofts thing that are I the understand. new suites? Basement yeah. lofts. Okay. Yeah. What's it, well, I don't understand how that works. What does it look like, a loft well, it, it looks in like, a basement? Well, it looks like someone's uh, it looks like the start of a house party okay. where there's a few people dotted around. There uh -huh. are some drinks, there's pizza boxes, and then you can't find anyone because there's not like a reception or anything. Uh -huh. So you have to just guess who's working there and who isn't. And then eventually you find the person you're meant to meet and then they try and find you a space where you can talk to them. Is he pitching a game right now? <laughs> <laughs> wait, yeah, that, that, wait, hold on. That, that's like spy party, but minus the killing. Yeah, pitch party. No, that's a terrible Pitch party is really going to blow up, isn't it? I think I also just accidentally did something what someone else was talking about earlier, which was the, uh, you know, it's like X game, but Y. Spy party without killing. Pitch game. 
I think it's interesting that you say that you get nothing but yeses at pitches, that publishers always say yes. But we just had a guy who used to accept pitches at PlayStation. He talked about how many times he said no. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just, just me. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can imagine that there are, there's, there's going to be a, a quality threshold before which you're like, this is bobbins. I'm not interested in seeing this. But um, once you're experienced and you've got a reasonably good potential game on your hands there, the questions they're asking aren't necessarily to do with the quality of the game, but how they think they're going to be able to sell that game. So those are not, I can, in, in their shoes, it's going to be much harder to say no to someone um, where you think this is a good product, but I don't know how to position it. You're more likely to say, yeah, show us it again in a bit, and then they'll have had time to assess the market or see what other games come along in the meantime. Have you ever, um, because I think Overwatch did this to a lot of other poor game developers, have you ever pitched a game and you and the publisher were very excited about it, and then another game came along and just kind of ate the mark, the lunch on the market? Ate the, that metaphor was very poorly delivered, but <laughs> that seems that seems like a very exhausting thing to happen. Yes, I've not I've not found myself in that position before, but I can easily see how it would happen. And there are, well, there are genres that come along and are suddenly the thing. Um, and everyone's clamoring to get the best one of those or the overwatch of that or the clash of clans of that or whichever is the the market leader and then some people will follow that and other people will say there's a established thing in this space already we don't want anything more so it's a kind of 50 50 whether that's a good approach or not is to copy what's currently successful cool well thank you so much for coming on the show james we'll see you back in england when you, when are you back uh, tomorrow. Uh, okay, see you Sunday. then. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, let's see you there. We'll, we'll carry on this conversation uh, on, on some of our own couches. We are back. It's One Life Left at GDC with Gama Sutra on a couch in the Moscone Center for the final time in 2017. It's the final countdown. I'm just noticing something. Uh -huh. I'm just sitting like this, uh, and I'm looking at my shoe, and there's a splotch of red wine on the <laughs> tip of my sneaker. It's just a, a hint to the <laughs> hijinks that I was up to last night. Red think, wine is that what blood. you call blood now? Yeah, I think if we, uh, if we come up with a sort of like title for this selection of podcasts, I would say... Blood on the sign, wine on the shoes. <laughs> That'll be today's. That's today's right up on the site. Chris wine good. shoe. It's good. It's good. Um, welcome back. Anyway, we are continuing with our selection of amazing guests. We're joined by Anissa. Hello. Hi. How's it going? And also, sorry, I didn't catch your name. You're an impromptu guest. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, uh, Anissa. Let's start with you. Of course. Hi. What Hi. do you do? Why are you here? That sounds aggressive, but we clarified <laughs> earlier uh, in the week that that is not aggressive. It's, not aggressive. it's nice to ask, no. to express an interest in people. Of course, you know that's the the first thing you ask anyone when you come to GDC. What do you do? Where do you come from? Like, what do you do? What are you doing here? Yeah. Just stare them down. So, um, yeah. So I am a UI artist slash UX designer. Um, previously of Frontier Developments on um, the amazing games that is Elite Dangerous and Planet Coaster. Planet Coaster is out right now. Buy it because because I made it. So buy it. Yeah, I'm really good at this self-PR thing. <laughs> you said previously. Yes, previously. I've just recently um, left Frontier oh. for greener pastures oh. in London. Um, I'm not sure be... London has any green pastures. <laughs> <laughs> I say those two words no, don't seem to go uh, together. 
Well, where I'm going, there will be. Okay, that's yeah. exciting. Uh, do you have something lined up already? Yes, I do. Yes, I'm starting somewhere new within a week from now, uh, two weeks from now. So, Ooh. But you're not going to tell us? Ooh. Not yet, well, not yet. Okay. <laughs> no one's telling us anything on this show. I didn't, I didn't play games involving shooting for a whole year. And one of the first games that I played when I came back was Elite Dangerous, uh. Uh, which which I've, I've really enjoyed. It's, it's like really, really nice. Um, I've been playing it in a very sedate way. I'm not really interested in any of this sort of shooting or fighting. I just yeah. do very low stress textile runs between two safe planets yes. back and forth in VR. Just sail there up. But one of the things that I find is really, really interesting about it is uh, the UI design in there. <laughs> because <laughs> it's hard, right? Like to put as many controls as you have in a spaceship. Yes. Like and make them visible to the player. So, oh, yeah, yeah. super interesting challenge. Can you tell us more about that? Um, for the VR aspect? Well, or... I guess it strikes me as a VR-centric game which has also been made to work uh, yeah. as non-VR. Yeah, it's um well, it's mainly a non-VR game that we've adapted into VR. Really? Um, yeah. So because the the whole sort of looking around fits <laughs> VR super well, right? I know. I think. Um, well, I can't really speak for um, for them. What the main vision was, but it is supposed to be like a simulation, as real as you can get. If uh -huh. you if you were to have your own ship, then you know, and we try to make the UI. Um, we wanted it to feel real um, futuristic, but not too sci-fi, which is kind of funny because it's a sci-fi game. Mm. But yeah, it feels pretty sci-fi to me. <laughs> well, it is very, very gorgeous. The team that I worked with, um, they they did most of the hard work on it, and I, I don't ever want to take credit for like the team's work, but they do put in a lot of effort into it. Um, one of the other things I liked very much about the UI was that it stayed faithful to the original Elite from the 80s. <laughs> like it uses the same instruments yeah, and, and things yeah. like that, but they're updated. That must have been interesting. Yeah, um, it's because, um, you know, our founder, David Braben, he really wanted to do it right, like, you know, for the current gen of um, machines. And um, he, he was very, uh, I guess, assertive of a lot of things. and. He wanted to make sure that we got it right, and we wanted to make sure we got it right because our fan base for Elite Dangerous is um, people who played the game like 30 years ago. So mm -hmm. they all they they're quite um, what's the word? Oh, they're quite they they know what they want basically, and you know we have to deliver. And I I'm hoping that we have delivered because um, we've got a very faithful uh, player base that we're always thankful for. Okay, you were talking at GDC like your talk has a really that that talk had a line it, out the Moscone. It's super actually interesting. Well, that's wrapped what, around the block. That's what I was going to say because I think you've played the title thing, the title game, very well here. Yeah. Because right, my title was just double tap, and then it didn't explain anything about it. <laughs> you really had to take a chance. But then you also get the other end of the spectrum where it's just a title, which is this is what it's about. You, you've used the colon to great effect, so exactly. you've got a snappy title and then an explanation. Dark right. patterns. Yeah, yeah. So just for the viewers at home who don't know what my title was, it was Dark Patterns, How Good UX Can Be Bad UX. Yeah, that's da, good. Da, 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 da. Strong title. Strong yeah. title. I think my favorite, sorry to divert, but I think the best GDC talk name was, uh, the, like it was the most literal, was I will now talk about two audio mix techniques for 30 minutes. 
That's it. It's exactly what it said on the tin. Self-explanatory. I so, love that. So can you tell me how good UX can be bad UX? Well, in this case, okay. <laughs> this is why my talk mode now. Yeah. Uh, I've been practicing this talk for ages. Um, right. So when I say good UX, I mean technically good UX. They use really good techniques. They know how to um, guide the players to do certain things that the, the designers want to do. Ultimately, it leads to monetization because that's, you know, video games is still a business, so we still need to make money. But the question is, it's bad UX in the sense that it's ethically um, iffy and your players might feel like they've been cheated or they feel like they've wasted time or money on your game because you're a bit too much, too on the nose with all your UX techniques going like, buy this, buy that, you know. So that's how a technically good UX could be ethically bad and makes players feel bad and that's like anti what we want to do. We want players to feel good and nice and have fun. So yeah, it's all about ethics. It's actually, it's about ethics. <laughs> <laughs> it all sounds like witchcraft to me. Um, I always find it intimidating when I meet people who do something that I absolutely can't do. And that is all of my life, every moment of every day, talking how? to someone who's better than me at that's something. My, that's my comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> how, how scary does it get when you sit there and having you know, produced a couple sets of data and are trying to think of the process to build the interaction that you think that like you think is going to feel pleasurable and satisfying yet you know you hit that sweet spot and you sort of sit there and go oh my god i'm messing with people's heads yeah yeah especially when because you know it's all backed in psychological um, principles and behavioral um, manipulation manipulation is not a really nice word to be honest but you do kind of Manipulate people. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> you do slightly like tell people what you do without telling them you're they're doing it. Yeah, it's very tricky. It's very, it could be very sinister if you're not careful, which is what the whole thing is about. You know, you, you don't want to treat your players as um, like things to get money out of. You know, they're still people, you know, and they still, they still have, <laughs> they players have their are people own, too. yeah, they have their own objectives of playing your game. Like they want to have fun or they want to kill some time, you know, and we, you know, we were players too. So we don't want to feel like we're being used for our money. It's like, I have feelings too. I don't mind being used for my money. <laughs> it makes uh, perfect sense. Um, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, we haven't gotten to learn who you are yet. That's who okay, are... I didn't even know I was going to be here. Um, yeah. I'll be honest, it's nice to sit down. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sweet, uh, so who are you, what do you do, do you know things, let's find out. I appreciate that reference. Uh, yeah, so I'm Chris, uh, I'm the design director of our little company, Cardboard Sword. Uh, we're working on a game that's over on the Epic booth. Uh, it's called The Siege and the Sandfox. It's a 2D stealthvania, so we're trying to mix sort of classic Metroidvania exploration with sort of a harder stealth edge, like a 2D thief or uh, Mark of the Ninja, if you've played it. Yeah, you was... need to talk to Inkle about about their pitching because that was strong to me. That was like they, they need your help. Stealthvania, you've got it in a word. Can you tell that I've been saying this for three I days can't straight? Tell. <laughs> and um, I can also tell that they just arbitrarily decided to drop the name of their game, like just like yeah, oh, I think we'll launch it today. Yeah. So here's what it is. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Chris. Oh, okay. So what? Uh, you know what's funny is like I think Metroidvania and the only stealth sequences I can think of in a Metroid type game are Metroid Fusion from the Game Boy Advance, where there were sequences where you had to. Uh, it was basically kind of outrun, but it still managed to feel like you were trying to hide from the uh, the, the, the the clone of Samus that was hunting you in that game. How did you how did you sort of come to the idea? And obviously, been done before with Mark of the Ninja. But what makes you think that two D stealth works? Without mentioning Mark of the Ninja, no. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I could pick out Gunpoint, another game that actually no, does it well. But uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, from a slightly cynical aspect. Um, 
it's nice for us to slow the player down because that you know then they're actually going to get more immersed in our world. Anything we can, anything we can use to slow them and down. And you don't have to build as big a world. Maybe no, but our <laughs> world is still quite large, um, and you you still can run. But we want it to be a choice. I mean, when it comes down to a normal Metroid, you go cool, cool. What's the jump button? What's the shoot button? Set. I'm done. Uh, we want it to be more like uh, a classic Prince of Persia, where you know the platforming is measured. You move at a certain pace. You sort of plan how you're going to get around. And then when you layer onto that stealth, you've got to make sure you're not making too much noise. I just think it's more interesting. Um, you know, I've played plenty of games, which it's obviously fun and visceral when you have stuff where you just go, cool, I just do this as quickly as possible. Uh, I'd like you to stop and think about what you're doing before you do it. Um, I do. I have another question, which is, so it's a stealth game, so to quote, um, to quote the fine gentleman from Shell Games, uh, I expect you to die. Um, and uh, how, how, how do you process it? How do you make good death loops. I actually want to ask that for a stealth game because dying is either like, you hit that like, like at the shortest I've played some games that uh, actually one of the Prince of Persia's was just, oops, you fell off, it grabs you, drops you back on, you keep going. That was the latest one, I think. And then there's the infamous um, oh god, the Silicon Knights Viking game where like the full death animation was the Valkyrie coming down, picking you Too up. Too human. Too human, it? yeah. And then you got two humans. So what's the, when you're making this game, where, where did you, how did you approach that end of the loop? So I guess the thing to say is that, yeah, we want the stealth to be quite lethal, so dying is going to be a thing. Um, we want it to be quite quick, uh, quite quick. you'll come back uh, fast. Uh, we're not, yeah, we're not going to have some long flowery explanation of <laughs> all the rest of it. Um, but for us, the focus is, you know, what makes, what makes or break, breaks any stealth game is that stretch second. The second, you know, just as you peer out the darkness and some guy goes, hmm? So getting mm -hmm. that right, and getting you able to escalate and de-escalate it, that's where the challenge is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting in our demo, what we do have at the moment, they are very lethal and it doesn't have the intended effect yet because what I was hoping is you'd go into a room and you'd see them and they just kill you and you're like, oh, I guess I have to avoid them. Unfortunately, people are still like, mm, I should try harder to do exactly the same thing five times in a row and die. So that's we've still me. got work. That, that's me. That's what I do all the time. We've still got, I mean, we've still got at least a year to yeah. go, so we've got more work to do there. I want to throw it back to our other guest for a moment about death. How, do you ever get to work on death? You, does like death is a loop? <laughs> well, because death is often, it's often a time to say time to take a break, right? Like this is a way you can tell players, hey, sit back, think about it for a minute, and then maybe come back later. Do you, have you ever thought about how? What's good death UI? What is UX? good death UX? What's Ooh, good actually, deathouts? yeah, there, there is a bit, um, with a lot of free-to-play games, especially if you die or you lose a life, you know, in puzzle games and things like that, it's very important for you to make them not feel bad for dying and you have to encourage them to try again or try more and that's how you get them to keep coming, play your game. It's all about making your death feel nicer and not so punishing. And actually, general question, do you two think it's appropriate to... I mean, you said you have a punishing stealth game, so maybe this is the wrong question, but do you think death is actually a good metaphor here? Should, can designers think of other ways to reset players after they've failed the challenge? Ooh, wow. Uh, well, I will say, for this game, that is probably the area where it is the most traditionally designed, so right, I don't right, think so. Yeah. However, I'm really interested in that as a mechanic, and other games I'd like to work on, I would, yeah, I wouldn't want death to be the end of it. I'd just like it to change things. And it sounds like there's been loads of talks that I wish I could have gone to that have been, uh, you know, going through that area. Like I know this uh, sort of, um, you know, real life RPG things where you can't fail them. Like you can't, you, you know, even if your character dies, you're just someone else. And 
yeah, I'd love to explore that. But yeah, cheap answer for our game. Certainly, we're that's probably the most traditional aspect. I do, I do like how Fire Emblem games have permadeath. Like you know, you do recruit your your members and you level them up, and then if they die within a map, they die forever for the rest of the game, and that's it. You lose them forever, and that that kind of ties you a bit more emotionally to the game. And I think they've played death quite well in that game. Yeah, I um. I think one of my favorite death mechanics was the first Prince of Persia game, and I appreciate any game that takes a, a nod from it, where every time you go, the prince just, like, I forget, I actually may have heard a story about why they did this, but, like, every time you fail the challenge, the prince, because he's te ostensibly telling the story to uh, Farah, I think her name's Farah, um, yeah. with the F, not the PH, um, he goes, no, wait, that's not happened, that's not quite how it went, sorry, and then you reset. Um, and, I, and I like that. I like I like it when they play on that. Tales from the Borderlands actually did that. Now that I remember that too. There's something like beautifully allegorical about this week coming to a close with the with, death with chat. Brian. About with Brian death. just talking about his favorite death mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, so much for coming right. on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, and I hope you guys had a great GDC. Welcome back for the final time to One Life Left with Gamma Sutra at GDC. We're all flagging a little bit. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's the last day. It's no, no life left now. <laughs> Very good. Very solid, good. solid. We're out guy. of lives. Yeah. Uh, all right, Babsy. All right, Steve. What's going on? You came when I left. Uh, what happened? Uh, well, I've, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Just, wow. A plus banter. <laughs> what are you doing and why are you here? Well, I came late. That's, okay. that's one thing because I left when you came. Okay. So, and I also do VR stuff. Do VR? Side. Okay. What are you doing? Yeah, so, you know, we, we met when I was still in games. Uh -huh. I did games for 16 plus years. Uh -huh. I really loved it. I worked in Japan as a yeah. character designer, was art director for Virtual Worlds that went bankrupt. Uh -huh. Um, and then I had enough of screens, mm, of computer screens. Interesting. So what should I do? I went on stage and became an actress. Of course, naturally. Makes um, sense. It was, and I thought when I went to this acting school for two years full time, I was the only foreigner in a class of 12 Essex girls, blonde, 18 year old. And I was like a really an outsider, uh -huh. but I loved it. I always wanted to be the Terminator. That's what I told the director of the school and they still took me, although they said, that's a very obscure choice. Interesting. This sounds like the plot of a game. Oh, uh, but our lives might be games and we just don't know it. So that brings us to VR. I mean, at these act this acting school, it was the first time where I was, my body was a role in a world written by someone else, by the writer. Uh -huh. It was fantastic and I thought, this, like every game designer, should at least do one acting course in his or her life. Right, okay. So how has this brought you to VR? What does this mean for your so, next, the next phase of your life? After a few years, I thought, okay, screens are good again, especially okay. when they're like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to get as far away from them. Now I want them uh, on my eyeball. <laughs> and so when I tried the first DK1, Heather Kelly, actually, uh -huh. it's Heather Kelly's fault. It was just a prototype of Super Hypercube. And I put it on, it was just a blue room with a brown desk, super low poly. Okay. This is my life, I want to be in that forever. Oh. 
and, and then I and started. are you in that forever? I mean, I, you're I, here I, now, I, so clearly not. Uh, well, we don't know yet. You know, okay. we don't know what All it right, is. But um, to be honest, yes. If I was going to simulate something, I wouldn't simulate this. <laughs> <laughs> this would be low on my list. Would I would simulate make would, us better. I would, would simulate, simulate Mario. Yeah, maybe actually. This has always been my dream. Really? Oh, okay, good. I'm glad. Ah. Glad we're fulfilling that. So what? So, uh, what are you doing now? Yeah. So I started my own VR production company like one and a half years ago, and we we try to explore different formats of entertainment. Nobody okay. knows yet what VR is for, except this. Okay. So the first thing we did was the first um, VR drama series, oh, a sci-fi wow. series based on the last three human beings on Earth. And one of them is you. No. Or you. <laughs> Whoever. Not me. Never me. No. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't could, have made it. It could be. So, so you're one of the last three humans on Earth in VR? Uh, yes. Okay. You're and seeing this through VR or is it in VR? It is in VR. Okay. And in like like the same, sorry, the same date almost, like one year ago, uh -huh. I was at CERN in Geneva okay. and went to see the big machines. Oh, wow. And... I thought, well, now I can go die because my childhood dream came true, and but I didn't die luckily yet, so I could do this VR show about the last three human beings on Earth <laughs> that are quantum scientists at CERN in an underground lab. So is this something people can see? Yes, like, is this... it's right now at the film festivals, for example, Cannes, and okay. it was at Rotterdam. I couldn't afford the American film festivals, so... How do, how do you Ow. show something at a film festival in VR? How do you do oh, that? Oh, so a lot of film festivals now they have their own VR track. Okay. So, and that's how they do it. Okay. And what's the reception been like? Um, very interesting because, <laughs> so we optimized it. It's a stereoscopic 360 piece. It's a pilot of a whole series. And we wanted to be future-proof. And one year ago when we shot it, we wanted to do it for the best. So we did it for the HTC Vive with subtle gaze interaction stuff. We wanted to have the feeling of you are in this claustrophobic room with these actors, like very close, live act, especially with me. I've come very close in the piece. And I think it's amazing. So when we, when we tried it with our, like at festivals, the heart rate goes really like this. People are get like blush in their faces, uh, especially like, I don't want to generalize, but women are, even more like, or they show it maybe more, they're taken away by, by like, when they have the glasses on, they go, oh, I want to hug you, or, wow, don't come too close. Mm -hmm. It's very, um, like the presence is really there, obviously. The piece is just, it's just super simple, natural, like European naturalistic piece. We rebuilt the set of CERN, there's no visual effects, no user interface. It's just you and two other people in one little room. What's the death mechanic like? <laughs> um, should I tell you, or do you want to s experience yourself? I'll need to experience it myself. Okay. I won't spoil it. So um, you've been. Uh, this is this is the end right now. Like yeah. this is the, the death mechanic this of one life the, left yeah. right now. Um, so sequence. So uh, before we go, yeah. can you tell us the best thing you've seen this week at GDC, at GDC? apart from this? Oh, apart from this. Um. I've maybe like seeing you getting up the lift when I was leaving. Okay. <laughs> but have you seen anything actually worthwhile? No, I, I think like, so I went to VRDC most of the time. Of course. It was very useful, I think. There were right. a lot of good talks. An amazing talk was about education through VR. I really like that. It was very good. And 
I don't, I don't even remember what happened 30 minutes ago. Don't <laughs> ask me these things. It's been a busy week but for all of us, I think. I just wanted to say that I think I might go back to games a bit more. Right. So after having this detour in drama, which was amazing, yeah. our next piece will be a real-time interactive oh, story world. That's super exciting. So it's going back to... To cool. my roots. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for still being alive for me. Still, <laughs> only one life left. So. Chris. Chris. Yes. This is kind of sad. Isn't it? Kind of. We're already at the end. I can't believe it. Alex, Alex, uh, Alex has joined us. Has joined us. Hello. Uh, I've come to say hello so yeah. we could say goodbye. Oh. You say goodbye. And I say hello. No, we're all going to have to say goodbye. <laughs> yes, hello. we all hello. Say goodbye. <laughs> But this has been this has been a great week, um, despite the lack of water, <laughs> despite the alcohol abuse, despite mm. it being the coldest GDC. Yeah, on record. despite it being the coldest GDC despite, on record, despite the death wow. mechanics. But it's these been, couches, uh, yeah. That Alex, you're leaning the, off screen. The couches, right. the couches, the couches worked out great. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, so I want to say thank you from One Life Left uh, to Gamma Sutra and GDC for having us. We don't twitch, and it's been uh, excellent learning from you know some of the some of the best. Yeah, best it's been super good. I want to thank Bryant specifically for his excellent production work all week. Uh, it's been very, very, very good. Uh, you know, we literally wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank ev everyone who's uh, watched and everyone who's listening yeah. back home in England as well. Uh, or wherever you are on the One Life Left podcast. Super, super, super pleased to be out here again. Fifth yeah. year. Fifth year. Uh, so we'll be putting these shows out as podcasts and they'll be going out on Resonance 104.4 FM, the best radio station in the world. Or on the best website in the world. What's that, Chris? Gamasutra.com. I couldn't think of anything winnier there. I, was say <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the I, truth I, is funny. I'm done. My brain's melted. If right. th th uh, the, you brilliant, you brilliant radio listeners, you, if you'd like uh, more of these developer interviews, I'd like to just remind you that you can subscribe to the Gamasutra Twitch channel uh, to, to either watch all of what we've produced here at GDC or for more interviews with some of the great people you saw here. Your numbers are going to go through the roof. Through the now. roof. <laughs> Get ready. Roof. Get ready. Uh, so thank you to Gamma Sutra. Thank you to GDC for having us. Thank you to all our incredible guests. We've had such a lineup this year. It's been um, so good. We are looking forward to coming back next year. I assume it went well. I mean, I, I, I would, let's, let's not jump I'm to conclusions. I'm assume it went Nothing's well. on fire yet. <laughs> yet. Uh, yes, so thank you for everyone who's been on. Thank you for everyone who's listened. And we are going to go and have a nap. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.